Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. The show is brought to you by Pariah Pickups, quality handcrafted guitar pickups made with lots of love down in Detroit City. Check them out. PariahPickups.com. I also want to welcome two new No Sleep Till Sudbury Patreon Vibration Nation members this week, Mr. Kevin Bryan and Mr. Tom Jokic. Thanks for supporting the show through Patreon. Fellas, welcome aboard. I appreciate it. Folks, if you want to support the show, you can find the details on how to do that at patreon.com slash Brent Jensen Music. Lots of cool, unreleased, behind-the-scenes, no-sleep-till-sudbury material. There's outtakes, bloopers, merchandise, and a chance for you to record the show's intro, even. All kinds of fun stuff. Patreon.com slash Brent Jensen Music. I appreciate your loyalty. Okay, here we go. This week I'm hanging out with Los Angeles rock singer Emily Taylor Hudson, and she's here to talk about her new EP, Love is a Dirty Word, and of course, the songs that make her skin vibrate. Here she is. Emily Taylor Hudson, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, Emily, uh, you are in L.A. We were talking before we, uh, before we got started here. You're an L.A.-based rock and pop singer-songwriter, and you grew up mm-hmm. in an extremely artistic family. I did. Cindy Williams is your mom. Yes. I used to watch her on TV when she played Shirley Feeney of Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> How cool. Yeah. I love my mama. <laughs> and I, my mom is, is pretty awesome she makes a lot of people laugh and i always tell her that that's something that is a very healing effect it saves many lives laughter and and a lot of people have told her that so i'm very proud of her good you know as a kid i remember watching laverne and shirley obviously but then i also watched the mike douglas show and i saw your mom on there uh-huh. and um i don't know why this stuck in my mind but as a kid uh she was talking to mike and this is like a talk show that was on in the daytime so i, I think it was home from school sick one day and um Mike commented on her skin and he said, how do you, you know, keep such a a great complexion and your skin always looks great. And so she said, well, Mike, I do these exercises with my face every night before I go to bed. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. I was like seven years old. And then I always wondered when it would just pop into my mind later on in my life. I wonder if her skin is still like super, you know, supple and everything. You know what? It's so funny that you mentioned that because one of my things with my mom is our skin routine and Mm. she has incredible skin. I mean, she's constantly complimented on it, but she's taught me how to take care of my skin since I was younger. And I've I've developed an obsession with skincare now, but um, thanks to her. But I think she's talking about these these French exercises because she has told me this story. And I'll have to ask her, but I think there are these like there's these uh, facial expressions that yeah. w- some French like cos oh gosh what's the, how, how am I supposed to say this word right now um, cosmetic like teacher taught her and oh. and I think that that's what she was referring to but I'll have to ask her <laughs> yeah she had like a it was just kind of remarkable because she had this whole series of exercises that she would do she said every day and that's what kept her skin so supple according to her and I just I thought that was you know, it was a unique thing. And, and like I said, I found myself later on in my life wondering, Hmm, I wonder if that actually worked for her down the road. (laughs) I'll have to ask her. And it's, it was esthetician. That was the word I was going for. (laughs) So Emily, I also watched your dad because your dad is Bill Hudson and, uh, he was in the Hudson brothers. And I used to watch the Hudson brothers razzle dazzle show when I was a kid. 
Wow. So, yeah. I love that show. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, thought that my dad and my uncles were actually from Canada because mm. I think they filmed a portion of that show up there. They and did. um uh, yeah, and so fans of theirs would always think that they were Canadian, and they went with it. They were they said, yes, <laughs> yes, we are, <laughs> being from Portland, Oregon. But, um, you know, my dad obviously is very musical and a singer-songwriter himself, and he's someone that I've, you know, been mentored by as a, as a singer-songwriter. And mm. just have always looked up to my dad and my uncles. You know, their musicianship is something that I've, uh, you know, I mean, I've lived with it, so I've obviously um, been inspired by it my whole life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everyone on the Hudson side is very, very um, musically talented. Yeah. But my mom can sing, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. She can. She can sing. Mm. <laughs> okay. So, extremely artistic background for you. So, now let's talk about you. So, your brand new EP is called Love is a Dirty Word, and it's now available. Mm-hmm. And the leadoff single is called Hearts We Want to Break. I was just listening to it. I yep. really like it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that was um that was my the first the first song that I wrote kicking off this record and I always wanted it to be my my single. I had a lot of different opinions going back and forth, but mm-hmm. I'm so glad that it that it did end up being my single. I I think I discovered love is a dirty word the whole phrase based off this song and and how this song came about so Hmm. so there's a there's a lot of significance to this song and the ep now this ep wasn't recorded in a studio it was recorded in a trailer in kentucky with your pal billy newsom on guitar is that right yes that's right it was the time of my life i met billy through a mutual friend here in la um he was out with with his band at the time mm-hmm. uh, doing a, a record at Capitol and I came in to do some background vocals and I'd never heard anything like Billy play guitar before. I mean, it was a whole other level and I, I ended up flying out to Kentucky uh, the week after he left and going to one of his shows and just being like, I need to be your friend and we need to do music <laughs> together. And, awesome. and we And we did. We did, and we did it in in a in a trailer, and you know, not professional about it, but just being so invested in music in general, both of us, you know, it doesn't really matter what equipment you have; it's yeah. just it just matters about the spirit of it and how you capture the song, which we really we really did, and we had a great time doing it. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing I like the most about it is that you didn't use you know, standard procedures and, and equipment and that sort of thing. And, and oftentimes, you know, that's where the really good music comes from. You know, I, I was thinking about the Rolling Stones exile when, you know, they recorded at Nailcoat in Keith right. Richards house, right? Like it's just unconventional. Yeah. And that's where the really good organic stuff comes from. So good for you. And I couldn't agree more. You know, it's, it's hard. I played with a bunch of really talented uh, musicians mm-hmm. and Billy just, stuck out. I mean, he was the needle in the haystack and I really look to the bands that I love and you know every member of the band and you know that they're truly um, a star on their own because they stand out with their instrument and I was always looking for that and Billy is my partner in crime. He just stands out on his own. He's such a star. I don't have to explain anything with Billy. We just Mm -hmm. do music very very naturally together and that's the best kind of partnership yeah 
That's awesome. Now, yeah. your your brother Zach also plays on this record. He, I think he plays, he supplies the whole rhythm section, doesn't he? Yes, he's on drum and bass. My brother is multi-talented artist. And again, just like Billy, I mean, he, he just killed it on the drums. And we did it in a little laundry room. Uh, it wasn't even mic'd properly. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> He did, we did this whole thing backwards. You know, I did not start with the drums and the bass. I started with guitars and vocal. And Zach just ruled when it came to having no metronome. Mm-hmm. He just did it all by feel. And, you know, between Billy and I, there was a lot of push and pull with the guitars and, you know, a little bit of slow down and speed up. But Zach just kept it right all around it in, in time. So, That's you awesome. know, it was just a little... Magical EP. That's great, but that—that that is, you're right. That is the magic. That's the magic right there. It, you know, when you don't use click tracks and metronomes, it—it it, you know harkens back to the days of, like I was saying, the Stones and when bands actually just recorded music organically, and and that's where the real magic is for me. Yeah, and it is for me too. I mean, my dad was also on the sidelines looking at me like, I can't believe you—you <laughs> you didn't, you didn't use a click track but then he'd go back and forth between this is how it should be and this is amazing to the next time lay down the drums first because it was you know it was a a um i gave i gave them a run for their money Mm -hmm. when it came to mixing but Mm -hmm. but it it, it all worked out and i love it no it did so do i i mean hearts is a is a well-written song too it's it's nicely arranged it's um it's you know i think the thing i like about it the most is that it's aggressive but it's got some really nice pop hooks in it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad that you that you hear that. A lot of people don't mention the pop side to me, but I was heavily raised on the Beatles and just pop music. My dad always says, you know, it's all pop music <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> especially when you have a, a hook that is catchy. And I love pop music. I mean, Nirvana is pop music to mm-hmm. me. A lot, a lot of things that would be considered rock and roll are, are very pop music to me so yeah so yeah so i'm glad that you that you picked up on that no definitely i would agree and i would recommend it so listeners check it out hearts we want to break brand new ep love is a dirty word yeah that is a good segue into your song list here actually because you kick it off with with the beatles revolution yeah the beatles well like all beatles songs I think that their message transcends over the times. And if you think about a song like Revolution being written way back then, you know, and you can you can really put it in today's world and still relate to it. It, it just shows that we're still really trying to get things right. And, and we might be a little stuck after all these years of still trying and trying and trying when a song like that can still makes so much sense but ultimately you know you keep living and going and and building and and i'm all for the message of hope so the the point to that song is that it's going to be all right and Mm -hmm. you know that's the ultimate thing to keep in your mind you know when the world is turning around Mm -hmm. that's a fantastic record the white album actually oh it's so good probably my favorite that was my entry point into the beatles as a matter of fact really yeah Really? And like, wow. And, and what an entry point, right? Yeah, seriously, you got you got you got you got the deep stuff right away. 
<laughs> That's how it started, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I'd, I'd heard like Yellow Submarine and stuff like that. But the first real Beatles album that I'd listened to was the White Album. What a great record. I mean, just uh, if I was stuck on a deserted island and could only bring one thing, it would be the Beatles records. That's mm-hmm. it. And I mean that. I really do. I mean it. Well, that, I mean, the White Album is a, is a great album, you know, in that context, right? Because it's so varied and there's all kinds of stuff on there. Yeah. And I, I, I was really inspired as a songwriter from the White Album because lyrically, you just contemplate so much listening to every song. On, I mean, there, you really have to listen to the words on every one of those songs on the White Album. Yeah. I mean, on every Beatles record, but the White Album specifically, there's so much depth and stuff to think about I, I the message is really what what matters in that record yeah and i mean the story behind it the beatles it was it was it you know they say it was the sound of the beatles breaking up but it was like they would go off and and do their own songs for the first time so john lennon did julia on his own um i think for the very first time there was all kinds of stuff like that on the record and that's if i hadn't picked revolution i was gonna pick julia because oh. it's just such a meaningful that song is just the opening line is phenomenal. So, and so that was, I was between Julia and Revolution only because lyrically it just, I mean, it strikes me every time that song. Mm-hmm. Half of what I say is meaningless. Oh my God. And yeah. and the play on words with with meaning meaningless or meaningless, like yeah. he, he just, you can take it anyway, but, but yeah, I mean, I really, really was inspired as a writer listening to that song because mm-hmm. it's just, so, I mean, it's just so profound and prolific. I, I, you know, John Lennon is just one of my ultimates. Oh, yeah. That, that's definitely my favorite tune from the record. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, I, sh- I knew I should have gone with Julia. You know what, Emily? <laughs> we're talking about only having five songs. You can come back again and bring Julia next time. <laughs> about, about okay, I'll do it. It's the deal. <laughs> Hey, like guests, <laughs> guests will do that. They, you know, we we're talking about only having five and it's tough. Like it's impossible. So guests will come back with five more. So you're, you're, you're <laughs> I don't welcome, welcome back. Yeah. No, God. No. Uh, I... <laughs> well, thanks for, for the next invitation. Cause I swear I, I have the list already. I, I've well, there you go. so hard to choose, but I apologize. It's, it's not something. No, people, it's some fine. It's, it. it's, it's fine. It's just, it's the <laughs> ultimate mu- musician torture, but, but we're good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, cool, the cool thing about the list that you've got here is that it's extremely varied so we go from the Beatles to Enya Caribbean Blue okay I, I'm a I'm, I'm a real like mystical sci-fi kind of mind mm-hmm. believe it or not I grew up watching Gem the cartoon oh, yeah. about just you know this magical musician chick mm-hmm. but anyway Enya is very like different planet type of artist to me and i grew up at the ocean mm-hmm. and my mom would blast caribbean blue every weekend she had it on repeat and we'd have the doors open and there'd be the ocean breeze and the song scores a time in my life that just felt so perfect i don't mm-hmm. know how to explain it but it was it was it was like futuristic at the time for me, it still is. Every time I hear it, I think it brings me to another world as if the song has been channeled from another planet. I I know this sounds so weird, but the ocean is really its own world. 
and growing up by it, this song scoring that time by the ocean and being very much about the water. It's just, it's just bring, it's just nostalgic for me. And, but it keeps me in the future. I don't know how to Hmm. explain it. It just got this futuristic feel that I tapped into when I was younger and I still do now when I listen to it. So I don't know. It's just Enya. She's another creature. I love her so much. Yeah. No, she's, (laughs) she's, she's extremely unique. And, and this song in itself, I mean, this is a, this is a kind of a, it's like a one, two, three, it's like a waltz signature almost. Yeah. It's very, um, it's like got this haunt, this old school haunt to it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, I love that, that vibe of song. A lot of her songs have that kind of thing going on to it. Mm -hmm. I, but this song specifically, you're right. It's very waltzy. Yeah. It just feels like a very like futuristic, um, emotional song. I don't know how, why I or keep going. I'm trying to explain it better, but I guess I should just quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I love Enya. The next song. Your next song is, uh, th- this is really cool. And I'm so glad that you included this. It's Marvin Gaye. Ain't that peculiar. The reason why I love yeah. that you included this is because I think this is like a 60s tune. And, and a lot of people, when they think Marvin Gaye, they think sexual healing. A lot of people don't know him beyond sexual healing. So this is more up-tempo. Right. It's, it's like, it's it's more kind of Smokey Robinson in that period. And right. Actually, I think Smokey Robinson may have written this song, as a matter of fact. I, I'm i not sure, but I do know that they were working together during a period of time. But I, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Mm-hmm. I should know that. The thing with Marvin is that, and and this song specifically, is that this is the song that it's the you can do no wrong kind of love song. Like the bad boy or the bad girl, you can't get enough of. Mm-hmm. And love is love. It's a, it's a mystery why we feel the way we do for love. But Marvin really captured this, his phrasing and his smooth vocals are just one to really listen to while he's singing words to this song mm-hmm. I, I learned a lot from his phrasing during this song i mean in general i learned from marvin and yep. the way he phrases his words but this production is really light-hearted so it makes you feel better about something that's possibly failing you like a like a bad love or or something that you hear in other songs that are, are very they're captured in a very like deep and and maybe even a darker way mm-hmm. but this song is you know, sometimes we just feel this way about bad things, about a bad love or about something that's not, you know, not really good good for us or good enough for us. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't know, it gets me moving and I love it and makes me laugh out loud because it's so true. And I know I've been there before. So I, I just, I love Marvin Gaye with all my heart. Yeah, no, this is a great pick. <laughs> now, next... And we change gears again, and this is also a great pick. I love this song, and I love this record. It's Joni Mitchell, The Last Time I Saw Richard. Yeah, this, okay, so so my mom turned me on to Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. and she turned me on to Blue. That's what this song, this record is from, uh, this song is from that record. Mm-hmm. I think that I, I was a younger girl, I mean, I, I was about 15 listening to this, and you know, you have to listen to to words like this. You know, you don't you don't know what it means like entirely when you're that young. But but I did know that it was something of a sorrow, 
Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I really started to relate to the delusion of love, which I think she's talking about in here and the harsh truth of it and getting real with yourself. And she really just paints a visual of being dragged down and, and settling on, on dreams uh, that possibly were squandered, you know, or she just really makes this deep attempt of explaining maybe unrequited love. I don't know if it's that if, if it's really unrequited in the song, but just something that didn't work out or something she dreamt more of and, and it, and it was, it, it took a different turn. You know, I, the phrase, only a phase, these dark cafe days, that really sticks out in this song because we've all been let down by love and have gone to the bar and, you know, drank our sorrows and we pick it ourselves back up and get on with it. But I think that she just really leaves it in this hanging sorrow that Mm -hmm. I constantly can feel and relate to because that's one of the emotions of love. There's a very authentic aspect, Joni. The fragility comes across in her music. Yeah, absolutely. She she was, well, it was very raw and stripped down, you know, her production. I think that it was Bill Crosby, or what was it? Stephen Stills. I don't remember. It was someone from Crosby, Stills, and Nash that produced Blue. I think it was Stills, and yeah. It, yeah, and I think so, too. But all I know is that he heard her playing and just captured her like that. It was There was a very light production. And I think that the rawness um, and, like you're saying, the authenticity of an artist really comes through when you're that stark, that you're that good to, mm-hmm. to just sit there and capture the listener just with you and your instrument. You know, I, I play piano too, even though this EP is very guitar heavy. I, she's majorly influenced my piano playing and, um, I took it up because of her and I, I mean, and the guitar playing as well. She's one of my favorite female artists ever. So, you know, I, I try, I'm try, I'm going to one day do my own raw, authentic stripped down, record like that because i think that we need it yeah you you already have that that you you have that ethos about you so i'd be very interested to hear you do something like that well thank you i'll I'll send it your way once i once i get it into pre-production because i've got it i've got it in the bag oh (laughs) cool okay so yeah good got some new music ahead good yeah the the blue record's great. I, I love my old man as well. And you know, you're saying oh, about yeah. the, the lyrics, like she just presents things in a certain way that kind of make you go, ah, oh. like there's a line in there that says the bed's too big, the frying pan's too wide, you know, talking about like, oh, it's just, it's I just know. great, you know, and it, you just go, oh. And her, her vocals too, like I just, that, um, especially on my old man, I can't sing right now because of my allergies, but when she hits those high notes, your body just gets chills. Yeah. And being here in LA, she talks a lot about the Mermaid Cafe, and which is in Topanga Canyon out here mm-hmm. in LA. And she lives in Laurel Canyon, which is right up the way from where I live. And I spend a lot of time going, driving through those canyons oh, and cool. listening to her and just trying to soak it in and what it must have been like back in the day oh. with her writing these songs. So yes, yeah, I'm a fan. Huge game. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Emily, you are going to finish up here with another great tune. I like this one too. Sting, If I Ever Lose My Faith in You. 
Yes, I love I love a good bass player, and but Sting is is one of the ultimate bass players and songwriters. The song is about belief system, and we have all of these fantastical distractions that we idolize and and that we that we tend to believe in throughout our you know life and our time getting into things, different things and stuff. But ultimately, you know, it ends up being love or someone that you love or yourself that you believe in and you bring it back to the core. And I know that I've been, I've been in question a lot with the things that I believe in and my spirituality and our world around us, people I idolize. And and I've hit times where I it all just came falling down and you're just like, I, I just believe in one thing and it's my gut or it's someone I love or mm-hmm. it's the love for, for, for someone else. This song just gets me going. Every time it comes on, I, it opens me up and I can't help but start to dance to it. But it, it means so much too. It just, it's freeing when you hear mm-hmm. the hook, yep. you know, and. And it's so true. It's just an ultimate truth. And that's what I, I think that I, I, I look to a lot, especially as a, as a artist, you know, writing music. It is a spiritual thing. And, you know, you can get a lot of noise on the outside from a lot of different people, opinions and stuff like that. But you could just got to believe in yourself. And you're lucky if you one person that believes in you or that you believe in. So mm-hmm. that's why I love I love this song. Yeah, no, so do I. Um, and it is you're right. It's it's super uplifting. I remember when this came out. I'm a big Sting fan of. I think this is his fourth solo record. I had all the Police albums, but you know, every time Sting put a record out, I got it. And this was the lead off single. I do remember from Ten Summoners Tales. And oh, yeah. The songwriting's great. There's a nice modulation at the end of the song when the song comes up even higher, and it's just like the the lyrics are so good, right? Like. The oh, politicians yeah. all seem like game show hosts to me. Oh, I love it, and and you love singing that line too because <laughs> it just like it, it it's just a it's just a big like fist in the air <laughs> moment. It's like yes, yeah. so true. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I love it. He captured everything that I would ever want to say. Of all of these artists that I've mentioned here, uh, are unlike what we get nowadays. Mm-hmm. Or it's presented or appraised differently. I don't think that legends aren't made the same right now. And I, I feel like we've watered down a good amount of what it means to be an artist with a message of enlightenment that transcends throughout time. You know, these songs stand the test of time. And I, I, I start thinking to myself, am I dated? You know, am I, I, I look to the past and I stop at a certain point and I like certain things that are out today and there's good stuff out today, but if there's something that I relate more to of our songs and musicians of the past. And I, I think that, that if you are, are writing the truth and the truth can be universal, then you're tapping into a message that can transcend over the, over time, you know, anywhere from Mozart where it's just symphony mm-hmm. style or, or to the Beatles or Sting, you have messages and music that move the masses over time and they influence generations. So I don't know if I can say the same today, but maybe I'm just a little bit, <laughs> maybe I'm just a little bit dated. I'm waiting for, for such an amazing sensation as I've once felt before, you know, like with Nirvana or 
yeah. stuff like that. So I, I, I look to these artists as legends, and I, I can't wait for more to come. I agree with your position, and I think it's very interesting that you say that as a contemporary artist yourself. Because right. That, that, that just adds extra validity to your to your point. You're right. Well, I just um, I'm just trying to have as much fun as I can with my truth, and I, I I love making up melodies. And if I can move just one person besides myself, then I I've done my job, and and it's all what it's meant for. Music is one of the highest forms of communication, in my opinion, and I do better at singing songs than I do speaking. I, 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 I hope I'm doing good during this interview, but yeah, I, I just, I love music so much. It speaks the real language and I, and I am just proud that I can be a part of it. Well, I am too. And I'm glad that you, uh, you joined me on the show today. You are delightful. I, this is a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I agree. I had so much fun and thanks for having me. I hope to come back again with my next five songs. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> you probably got like, you know, 78 other songs that you want to talk about. So. It's endless. It's an endless. We'll be talking for years. <laughs> well, Emily, like you are welcome back anytime. Like I said, I really enjoyed this chat. So thank you very much. Thank you, Brent. I enjoyed it too. And I just hope to have a good future in music. And if I can keep talking to people like you, I'm, I'm stoked. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Stay, stay on for a second. I'm just going to wrap the show up here. Okay. All right. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Emily Taylor Hudson. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.